If you got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on one screen um, or in your outline or use the Central Church app. Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to start today. Uh, this is week number two of our series called Empowered. And in this series, um, we are talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus. Um, before I start, though, I need to do something. Uh, man, I haven't done this like in all the services at the right time. Um, let me see. Who, Marcus, can I trust you? Can I trust you? What do you mean for what? Can I just trust you? All right. I'll trust you. Hold on to this for me. I'm going to give you this envelope. Just hold on. Don't open it. Just hold on to it. Don't worry. It's nothing scary. Aliens didn't give it to me or nothing, man. It's it's not a magic trick. There's no witchcraft. Don't open it. Just you trust me. I trust you. Just hold on to that for me. I'll come back to it at the end of the message. All right. Let me set today up like this. Um, many years ago, I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. Um, I was in a, I was in an accident, um, that nearly ended my life. Many of you know this story, so I'm not going to go into details. Um, but it was one of those life altering accidents. Um, very, 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 very long story short. Um, I wrapped my car, which was a 1988 Yugo. One of the main reasons I love telling this story is because yes, I drove a 1988 Yugo. Um, many of you don't even know what that is and that's good. Um, but I wrapped it around a tree and, um, Again, without going into the super long details, uh, I lost control on an icy road and hit a tree. And I remember two, even to this day, two distinct feelings from that accident. Number one, I was out of control. And, and I would be willing to bet that no one here likes to be out of control. Like newsflash about Pastor Ryan, I'm a control freak. Any, anybody else? Anyone else? Control freaks? Anyone want to admit it? Like, like, and all of us on some level like to be in control. Like we don't like our lives to be out of control. And so I was out of control. And number two, after I hit the tree, I realized I was all alone. No one was coming to help me. If you've heard me tell this story before, you know I was on a road um, that wasn't traveled very much except for Sunday nights. This was a Sunday night. Um, people went to this large Baptist church um, on Sunday nights, and, and cars were driving by me one after the other, and nobody was stopping to help because they'd obviously read the story of the Good Samaritan and decided they were the person who wanted to drive on the other side of the road and not help. And so great, great, great group of people. And so as I was sitting there watching the cars go by, I realized I was all alone, and this is it. Like, this is the end for me. This is where I die. And I was thinking about that instance, and I was thinking about those feelings as I was putting this message together. How just on a macro level as Americans, how, how out of control does the world seem right now? I, I mean, seriously, like it's unreal, yes or no. Like, I don't think i got to spend a whole lot of time arguing that we live in an out-of-control world. And so things, things on a grand scale seem out of control. And then when you think about this idea of all alone, all alone has kind of taken on a, a different meaning for us lately. Because if you think back when COVID hit, like one of the, to me, one of the most devastating things about COVID that nobody really talked about was, was how isolated people were and how it made people feel all alone. And, and I don't believe we fully recovered from that. I, I believe that, that we're still in a mode where, where we make an excuse to be all alone. And alone is not a good place to be because once you get alone, it's very difficult to get out of being alone. Yes or no? Yeah. And so I'm going to argue today that we live in a society that forces us to feel like we're out of control and alone. Now that's on a macro level, but on a micro level, there are probably some people in this room. You're like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about, COVID or politics or the economy, but dude, my life is out of control. And you know how I know that? 
is because you go to the doctor, and when you go to the doctor, you don't get to control the information that you get back, right? Like, like, like you go in, and you're expecting, like, hey, I, I don't feel very good, but, but I'm not expecting worst-case scenario news back, doc. I take my kid into the doctor, and, and, and I expect, hey, here's some antibiotics. Go ahead and take these. I'm not expecting, like, hey, for the next several weeks, you've got to go through all of these testing. You've got to do all that. You don't control the information. Some of you, maybe you, you've, you've lost a, a family member or a friend out of control. Some of us lost a job due to downsizing or whatever out of our control. And so there are all kinds of things in our lives on, on this micro level that make us feel out of control. And, and we realize, hey, control is the biggest illusion in the world. None of us have control of anything. And then the feeling of all alone. Now, when I say all alone, let me, let me explain a couple things here. Um, I don't know about you, but I enjoy solitude from time to time. Anybody else? Like, like I enjoy, you know, going and getting lunch at Borden Arrows and coming back here and reading a book and not getting knocks on my door from John Sampson. Tell him, just hypothetically speaking, right? But, but, you know, being that solitude, like that's fun. But, but I don't, I don't like being alone. There's, there's a difference. You follow what I'm saying? And, and, and there's some people here, you feel like you're in the middle of a battle. And you feel like you're out of control and you feel like you're all by yourself. And you can't really tell anybody because if you tell anybody about the battle, it's only going to get worse. And, and so don't miss this. If you're going through a battle and you feel all alone, you're not alone and you're stronger than what you're going through because the Holy Spirit empowers us. Like what, what's going on in the nation right now? What's going on in our economy is nothing that God cannot handle. Like, like we're stronger than we think because God has put his spirit inside of us that empowers us. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That's how the Holy Spirit empowers us. And so with that in mind, I'm going to pick up where I left off last week, and we're going to jump into Acts chapter 3. Quick review, Acts chapter 2, I talked about how the Holy Spirit comes in, fills the room where all the believers are. There's 120 of them. All, All of them start speaking in other languages. People are running around, Peter preaches a message. 3,000 people get saved. That's, that's not a bad Sunday, right? I mean, that's a pretty good lifetime in the history or the course of most churches. And so we're going to pick this up at chapter 3 because um, you got a little momentum going on, right? Church is, church is growing. 3,000 people get saved. Like if we see 3,000 people get saved, hey, we're going to be fired up, yes or no? Yeah, we're going to be out. We're going to be boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. And so that's what's happening right here. And this happens, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So evidently they had an 8, a 9.30, an 11, and then maybe not. I don't know how it worked. But they had prayer service at 3. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Now, hold up right there. Because that, that phrase to me, a man lame from birth... It causes me to think back to something that somebody told me years ago. They told me, maybe you, you've heard somebody say this before. Maybe you've said this to somebody before. If you've said it, don't, don't say it again. Um, but, but they told me, Christianity is nothing but a crutch. You ever heard that? Christianity is nothing but a crutch. Now, I've heard it a thousand times since the first time I heard it. And let me tell you what my response is now every single time I hear it. You're right. It is. And I'm super thankful because I need a crutch. Because I'm lame. I was born lame. I was born sinful. I'm a messed up individual. I was born in need of a savior. And I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ is my crutch. And because he's my crutch, I can walk through anything that this world throws at me. Amen? Now the reason I point it out is because this is us in the story. 
We were born sinful. I've been telling you that for weeks and weeks. You need to understand that. We need to be united on that. We're born sinful. Total depravity of man. Seriously. Like, think about it. None of us had to teach our kids how to sin. They learned some pointers from watching us, right? But none of us had to teach. Nobody here, nobody had to teach you how to sin. You know why? It's already in you from birth. It's already here. It's this thing called sin nature. We're going to talk about the battle that happens with that later on in this series and, and even into the next. But there's this sin nature in us. Nobody has to teach it to us. And so we're like this man, lame from birth. He was being carried in. Now watch how crazy this is. Being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. You know why he's put beside the temple gate? Because he couldn't go into the temple. That's messed up. Because they believed that because he was lame from birth, either he sinned, like this is the culture's mind, either he sinned or his parents sinned. And so he was considered to be sinful or unclean. So he could go near the temple but he couldn't go in the temple. Religion said, don't, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Religion told him, you're not good enough to come in here with us. Gosh, you ever felt like that? Seriously. Like, like you can get near Jesus, but you can't get with Jesus because you've been told how bad you are and you've been told to sit outside by the beautiful gate, a gate where you can sit and admire other people, but you can never have what they've got. That's the lie religion teaches. That's the lie religion teaches. So he's sitting beside this gate, the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. Let me ask you this question. Is this what he wanted to do with his life? Yes or no? No. Hey, kid, what do you want to do with your life? I want to be a beggar. Nobody says that. Ever. He's at a place in life he doesn't want to be. Did he feel like things are out of control? Yes or no? Absolutely. Did he feel all alone? Absolutely, he felt all, other than the people who carried him to the gate. Other, listen, they probably just carried him to the gate out of obligation. But they carried him to the gate, and then they left him all alone. So they could go inside the temple. And so he's sitting by this gate, feeling life's out of control, all alone. In verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. A quick question. Just ask them for a friend. How do you handle when people ask you for money? Because we have that, right? Like, I'll be honest with you, I usually don't even make eye contact. I don't, because I hardly ever give. Like, I, I don't. It's, it's awkward when people ask you for money, yes or no? Is it awkward? How many of you don't believe it's awkward? Give me $50. <laughs> it's awkward, right? Like, you're like, uh, uh, uh no. Right? It, to, to me, it, it's awkward. And so, he's in this awkward position, Peter and John are in this awkward position, where he's asking them for money. Now, for those of you who know this story, you know where this story is going. But, but let me ask this question before we dive really deep into it. Why is it we always ask God for less than what he could bless us with in the first place? Because like we, we ask God for a piece of candy and God's like, I want to give you the whole flipping candy store. That, that's why Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, your will be done. Instead of saying, hey, God, this is my plan. I want you to put your rubber stamp on my plan. Because don't miss this. This dude is asking for money. But he's about to get way more than he ever asked or imagined. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, because we expect less, right? And Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Hold up. Do you think in that moment, do you think when those words came out of Peter's mouth, hey, I want you to give me some money, I don't have any silver or gold for you, do you think at that moment the lame man was disappointed, yes or no? 
Yes, absolutely he's disappointed. And, and there are people here today, right now, you're dealing with the fact that you're disappointed with God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been disappointed with God, because if you've grown up in church, you've been taught to lie. No, I'm always happy with what God does. No, you're not. You're not. I'm not. God, how could you let that kid die? God, how could you let me have marriage problems? God, how could you let me go broke? God, how could you? God, how could you? God, how could you? Absolutely. All of us know what it's like to experience disappointment with God. There's some people here right now, you're disappointed with God. In fact, it's a miracle you're even here. So this guy's disappointed. And Peter said, oh, I don't have any. I don't have any gold for you. I don't have any silver for you. I don't have any money for you. And then he says this, but I'll give you what I have. And the guy's thinking, I don't care what you have. You're not giving me what I asked for. What, what are you going to give me? A shoe? A sock? Your shirt? A burger? A job? I don't want that. I want money. If you can't give me what I'm asking for, I don't want it. And then he says this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. How, how bold is that? How, that? To me, that is bold. Peter and John, don't miss this. They get empowered by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Here they are. They're looking at this guy. And right here, they're speaking life over this guy. This guy has heard nothing but death and curses sp spoken over him since the day he was born. All of a sudden, here comes two men empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they're speaking life. And I think as followers of Jesus Christ, that's what we're called to do. Speak life over people. We're called to speak life. Because good Lord, the world speaks enough death and curses and damnation and evil to people, Right? Speak life. I, I told you uh, last week, I don't want this series to be weird. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm weird enough to just believe the scriptures are true. I really do believe that in Jesus, the best is yet to come. I, I really do believe that Jesus in you is greater than anything you are going through. And I believe that we can stand up as a church and we can speak life over people. And when we speak life over people, listen, what God does is amazing. Like, I, I've seen God bring way too many people through hell. I've watched him bring me through hell. And if he can do it through them, and he can do it for me, he can do it for anyone because that's the God we follow. And so he's calling us to speak life, not death. And so Peter says, get up. Get up and walk. Now, it's really awesome when we speak life over people, but he does something that needs to be done in the church world today if we're going to make a difference. He doesn't just speak to him. He definitely doesn't go beyond his back and speak about him. Watch this, verse 7. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. See, I know a lot of people that will speak about a person or to a person, but won't touch them. I know Christians who will pray for you, but won't talk to you and won't help you. Let me say that again for the Baptists in the back. No Christians who will pray for you, but won't talk to you and will do nothing to help you. See, see, the lame man was considered to be unclean, cursed. He could sit outside of the temple, but he couldn't go into the temple. All of a sudden, here comes a man named Peter who wouldn't just speak to him. He wouldn't just speak about him. He reached out, touched him, and helped him up because he followed a man named Jesus. And he had seen Jesus do the same things. He'd seen Jesus heal blind people. He had seen Jesus heal deaf people and touch people with leprosy. And the outcast became the inner circle of the people who followed Jesus. And so today, if you feel like an outcast, it's probably because Jesus is trying to bring you into the inner circle of people who follow him. Just a thought. Because Peter reached out. Reached out, grabbed him by the hand. And it wasn't his words that got him up. 
It was when Peter touched him and took him by the hand. And, and don't miss this because this is huge. Scholars um, all agree that beggars in this time period would have, would, would have always held a cup. It's what they wanted you to put money in. We've seen the same thing today. They would shake it and make it make noise and you would know, put, put money in it. And so in order to take Peter's hand, he had to put down his cup. He had probably held on to this cup for years. It had probably provided for him time and time and time again. But in order, don't miss this, in order to receive immeasurably more than anything he could ever ask or imagine, he had to put down his cup so he could hold on to Peter's hand. Let me ask you this question. What do you need to put down? What do you need to put down to grab a hold of what God wants for you? What cup might you be holding today that you know you've got to put down? Because listen, when you do, you're going to receive immeasurably more you could ever ask or imagine. And, and I'm not calling anybody out. And we're not going to write on cups and bring them up here. I'm just saying, what cup? What cup do you need to put down? What do you need to put down? If something's popping in your mind, let me tell you, that ain't Pastor Ryan. That's the Holy Spirit. And you need to roll with it. You need to roll with it and be obedient to it and just put it down. Walk away. Because watch this. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were, what, what's that next word say? What's it say? Come on, everybody read it together. Instantly. Now, listen, I know I tell you healing is a process. Sometimes it happens instantly. God can do that. Instantly. Instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk, which is crazy. Watch what happens. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them, which I'm sure grabbed some attention. Right? Can we agree? Somebody walking in right now, leaping and praising God. We're all going to turn around and be like, what's up with that freak? Right? I mean, seriously. Like, this guy is excited. Right? Because think about this. He's never walked. Ever walked. Think about the ramifications of this. Dude has never walked. We don't know how old he is, but we know he's never walked. You ever watch a baby learn how to walk? You ever watch it? They walk right away? No, they fall forward. They're falling forward, and we're saying, oh, they walked. We're sending videos and everything. Dude has never walked. He doesn't understand balance. He doesn't understand any of this. Like, this is huge. Here he is walking and leaping and praising because he's been healed. This is a miracle, yes or no? Yes. Do you think he's experiencing some joy in his life, yes or no? Absolutely. Verse 9, all the people saw him walking, heard him praising God. When they realized he was, everybody say was. When he realized he was the lame beggar they had often seen, so, or they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. Not when they realized he is, but he was the lame beggar. You know why? Because they couldn't call him that anymore. Because God not only changed his circumstances, God changed his identity. And because of that, let me say with boldness and confidence, don't you dare ever let anybody identify you by who you used to be. Because who you used to be in Christ is not who you are now. I don't care what you did. I don't care how messed up things used to be. He was a lame beggar. But with one encounter with Jesus, he was neither lame nor did he have to beg. Because that's what Jesus does. Every single time. He not only changes circumstances, Jesus changes everything. So you got this guy. Used to be a lame beggar. Verse 10. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. You don't say. Somebody healed me. I hold on tight too. In fact, many, many, many years ago, Jesus did that same exact thing to me. 
healed me from drug and alcohol addiction. I've been holding on ever since, baby, ever since. And I love this. I love it because Peter takes advantage of this situation. In verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. So he's got all these people coming around. Peter sees it and he preached the gospel just like he did in Acts chapter 2. You can read through the rest of that for time's sake. I won't read it to you this morning, but that's what he did. Now, we can expect, just like in Acts 2, for things at this point to go well, right? But let me ask you a question. Very, very, very simple question. Did Peter and John do anything wrong, evil, or bad, yes or no? No, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything bad. They, they healed a guy, right? They healed a guy that was sick. That's all they did. We would all agree that that's a good thing, yes or no? Yes. But watch what happens. This is crazy. This is chapter 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some Sadducees. Nothing ever going to go good when these guys show up, ever. Like, they just healed a guy, and all of a sudden, the religious leaders show up. And, and don't miss this. I, I say this a lot, but I got to get this out, and I got to put it right here. Jesus is all about freedom. Jesus is all about freedom. Religion is all about control and manipulation. When, when religion realizes that they're losing control and manipulation, they freak out. In fact, some of you here today, and the reason you walked away from church at one point is because you didn't feel encouraged. You didn't feel built up. You felt controlled and manipulated because that's what religion does every single time. Verse 2, the leaders were very disturbed. Hold on. Why? Didn't a a lame guy just get healed? Yes or no? Yes. But the religious people always miss the miracle. Because if the miracle doesn't happen in their system, they'll deny it away. They'll say it didn't happen. Hey, did you hear so-and-so got saved? Yeah, but they got saved at that church. What? Did you hear so-and-so is going to Central? Yeah, but we don't like that church. And so, what what is that? Did you hear so-and-so got saved? Yeah, but it ain't going to last. Listen to me. Religious people always miss the miracle. Because it doesn't happen in their way. And if it doesn't happen in their way, it didn't happen. Verse 2. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there's a resurrection of the dead. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this is one of those things that we need to be united on. There is, through Jesus, there is a resurrection from the dead. And they're preaching that. It's the gospel. They're doing nothing wrong. They're teaching the truth. And then the Bible says they arrested them. Like what? They didn't do anything wrong. And listen, this is another message for another time, but this goes to show you can do everything right. You can follow Jesus and still have things fall apart on you. They arrested them. And since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Now, is this story paralleling anything that we've seen in Scripture so far? Yeah. Remember at one time, Jesus had fed a bunch of people with some loaves and fishes. Remember that? The Bible said the number of men that he fed was numbering around. Anybody want to take a guess? 5,000, right? 5,000. Remember last week, we talked about the law came down, 3,000 people died, the Spirit came down, 3,000 people filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm sure these numbers are just coincidences, right? Sure. Verse 5. The the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John Alexander, 
and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Now, I love, love, love the fact that Luke documented who was here. I love this because it's really important. Verse 6, Annas and Caiaphas. Where have we heard those names before? Annas and Caiaphas. Annas and Caiaphas. Annas and Caiaphas. Well, if you read the Gospel of Matthew and Luke and John, we know that both of these guys were actually two of the men that spearheaded the movement to have Jesus crucified. And, and by the way, this is the last time they're ever mentioned in the Bible. Ever. Ever. And today, nobody names their kids Annas or Caiaphas. Hopefully not. Anyway, <laughs> here's what's crazy. Think back for a second. Think about Peter. On the night that Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, what did Peter and the other disciples do? They ran, right? They took off because they were scared. They were filled with fear. And then if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter was given, a, given an opportunity to identify himself as a follower of Jesus three separate times. And all three times, Peter did what? Denied Jesus. So can we say, can we logically conclude that Peter lacked courage, yes or no? There's no courage in Peter. But in Acts chapter 2, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And while in the Gospels he ran, right here he stands. And the only difference is the Holy Spirit. Watch what happens, because this is great. They're, they're making these demands in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the verse. Here it is. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, now, let me ask you a question. Do you think in this moment that Peter could have possibly felt that things were out of control and he's all alone? Absolutely. But he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's empowered with the Holy Spirit and said to him, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified. And I can't prove this. But I think when he said that, I think he pointed to Annas and Caiaphas, the man you crucified. But he didn't stop there. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. In other words, the message the religious leaders wanted him to stop preaching, he didn't even shut it down. When he was standing in front of the very men who killed Jesus, the men who had the power and the authority to have him killed too. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he went from being a coward to courageous. The only difference, the only difference was the Holy Spirit. I love this next part. For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures, which is a slap in the face of those religious leaders because they had memorized the scriptures. And now here's somebody telling them about the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. No one else. Told you this last week. Same page. Salvation. Faith alone. Christ alone. Because look at this. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Where did that boldness come from? Holy Spirit. What do we have living inside of us if we're believers? Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit we see in the story lives inside of us. The same boldness is there to face any battle we're facing, to fight through any discouragement, even when we feel out of control and alone. The Holy Spirit is in us and with us, just like he was with Peter and John. For they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, this is why I love the Bible, because it's just so real. Because <laughs> in the Greek, 
that, that, that phrase, ordinary men, is translated from the word idiotes. Anyone want to guess what word we get from that? Idiot. So basically, they realize these guys are idiots. And when I read that, I'm like, <laughs> those are my people right there. Because I'm an idiot, right? Uh, with no special training in the scriptures. I finished Bible college, but I dropped out of seminary. All right? So these are my people. But look at this. They also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. And I think they recognize that is because Jesus was willing to touch the lame men. And, or, and they were willing to touch the lame man. Jesus touched all of the untouchables. Right? And so, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred amongst themselves. In other words, they missed the miracle in a church business meeting. They missed the miracle and they called a church meeting to talk about the theological ramifications that happened. Listen to me. Don't miss the miracle that God wants to do in your life just because it might not fit in the exact way that you thought God wanted to do it. God has a crazy way of getting us from point A to point B to point Z. And it's usually not the direction that we would have chosen, but the results are always better, right? And so they meet, they make this decision, they come out, Peter and John, we killed Jesus. And listen, if you don't shut it down, we're going to kill you too. Like That's what they got told. You can go read this story. And in that moment, without the Holy Spirit, Peter and John could have felt out of control and all alone and ran for their lives. Because that's what the religious leaders wanted them to do. But I love this. I love what Luke tells us in verse 23. As soon as they were freed, as soon as they were freed from jail, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. In other words, they got out of jail and they went to church. And listen, I've said this for weeks, this is what I want our church to be, a life-giving church, a life, a place where you get out of jail and you come to church. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last summer. I don't care what you did last week. I want this a place where you can walk in and listen to me, not feel out of control or all alone, because while it may be overwhelming to you, it can't overwhelm us together. We're stronger than this because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You might not be able to be strong enough to handle what you're going through, but as a body of believers, we can, because we can't do life alone, and we don't have to do life alone, because the Holy Spirit empowers us. And sometimes, listen, Sometimes we need the help of another person, just like the lame man, like he never would have gotten up and walked had Peter not reached out and grabbed him by the hand. If you read through the rest of the story, the, the Bible says they prayed about it, what the elders and the chief priests had said. They prayed about it instead of worrying about it and freaking out. Luke tells us after the prayer, the meeting place shook. They were filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and they preached the word of God with boldness. You know why they could preach the word of God with boldness? Because they realized they weren't alone and God was in control. They weren't alone and God was in control. My prayer for you today is that you can realize you're not alone and God is in control. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside, li listen to me. You, you already have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness living in you. You already have the peace and the strength and the hope and the joy you've been praying for. It's in you. It's already in you. You already have it. It's already been given to you, even if you don't know it. You already have those things living inside of you. I'll, I'll show you. Marcus, you still got that envelope I gave you? Awesome. Cool. Hey, man, I gave you an envelope. I want you to give me $500. 
Give me, for reach in your wallet, give me $500. Give me $500, man. I know you may. Get, reach in Stephanie's purse and get me $500. You don't have $500? Open that envelope, man. What you got? What's in there? I wonder, <laughs> could it be money? I don't know. You need a letter opener? What's in there? Oh, it's money. How much is in there? I want to count it out loud. $500? Give me $500, Marcus. You keep the envelope for playing along. $500. $500. You see what just happened? I asked him for something that he didn't think that he had. But he had it the whole entire time that I was preaching. He just didn't know it. Had he known it, he would have left and went to Walmart. When I asked him for it, he started looking around, started sweating a little bit, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Listen, I could ask him for it with confidence. Marcus, give me $500. You know why I could ask him for, with confidence? Because he already had it. I had already given it to him. The reason why God is asking you to be strong is because he's already given you strength. The reason God is asking you to be peaceful is because he's already given you peace. The reason he's asking you to be filled with hope is because he's already put it inside of you. The reason he's telling you to be bold is because he's already given it to you. He's already put it inside of you. And all he's doing right now is asking you to give him back what he has put inside of you in the first place because that's what he does through the power of the Holy Spirit.